0: So we have been talking about wounds to our soul, what happens to us when we face rejection. And what I believe is this, I believe that rejection is a weapon of mass destruction that the enemy uses, usually at a very early age in our life, to cause damage to our soul, our emotions, And we bring that hurt and that pain into relationship after relationship, into businesses. We bring it into careers. And so if we don't deal with the pain of rejection, it's like we carry it with us through the different seasons of our life. And what happens with us, because rejection is an internal wound... It is often misdiagnosed, and the damage that it does because it goes unseen for many years can be catastrophic in people's lives. And so I want to talk to you today about how do we really get healed from the pain and the wound of rejection. And so let me recap for just a little bit where we started. We started talking about the reality of rejection. The reality of rejection is rejection really says nothing about your value. It says everything about their vision. Because we looked at in the very first part of this series, Jesus himself was rejected In fact, if you really read the the scriptures and look at Jesus' life, he had people that were very close to him walk away from him. In fact, they actually walked away in large numbers. Large numbers of people walked away from Jesus. He is teaching, he is healing, he is feeding them, and yet they still walked away from him. And so Jesus himself felt rejection. And let me tell you, you will experience rejection in your lifetime. There is no way to avoid it. It says nothing about your worth. It says nothing about your value. It is everything about their vision. Right? But that doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with the hurt and the pain. And if rejection is misdiagnosed or if rejection is untreated, that wound that is on the inside of us begins to become infected. And that's why God told Jeremiah, the prophet, in Jeremiah chapter 6, he said, Tell my priest, tell the leaders, tell those who are ministering to the people, tell them they're treating the wounds of my people as if it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. In other words, God is telling Jeremiah, tell the priest that what the people are dealing with is serious. This is serious. And so we have to deal with rejection. And even though it says nothing about your value, even though it is about their vision, you still feel the pain of it. You still feel the hurt of it. And you cannot put a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Amen? You just can't. You have to go, okay, there must be something that gets done in my life to be healed because I cannot go through life carrying this wound. I cannot. I have to find a place of healing. And what often happens is, With rejection, there's residue that takes place. And so we talked about the reality of rejection. Then the next week we talked about the residue of rejection. And the residue of rejection is this. Rejection doesn't always show up as pain. Sometimes it masks itself as personality. Huh? How many of you know there's a difference between someone who gets angry and an angry person? I'm going to try that on this side. I said there's a difference... Between somebody who just gets angry, they get angry, or somebody who is an angry person. And so here's what happens. People just go, well, that's just my personality. God made me timid. No, he didn't. God did not make you timid. Rejection did. Rejection shaped you. Rejection formed you. God didn't make you an angry person. I don't care what nationality you are. Come on now. We like to blame our culture, our nationality, our ethnicities, when the truth is, no, you're carrying the wound of a past hurt, and that hurt has never been healed, and it has reshaped your personality so that you get angry, you get hurt, you get stubborn, huh, You just let people walk all over you? How is it that somebody could go from an abusive childhood to an abusive marriage? How is that possible? You saw it your whole life. You saw your dad beat your mom, but yet you married somebody that's the same way? How is that possible? It's because rejection has reshaped your thinking. See? And so we have to go, okay, that's not how God made me. God didn't make me a doormat. Rejection shaped me to be like this. And so it's not that I'm carrying this pain. I'm carrying a personality that has to be reshaped. I can't just be stubborn or dismissive, and I can't be just like this the rest of my life or or have people, because I'm so easily offended, have people just walk on eggshells around me. Come on now. That's not how God made you. So so we have to deal with this residue of rejection. And we read in Luke chapter 9, watch this, Luke chapter 9, Jesus calls his disciples together. He says, hey, boys, come on, I want to talk to you for a minute. I give you power and authority over the enemy. And in Luke chapter 9, he gave them very specific instructions. Here's what you do. I'm gonna go, You're going to go into ministry. You're going to go out. You're going to go from city to city. And when you go, I want to give you these specific instructions about where to go and how to do ministry. But then he says this. He says in verse number four, when you actually go into the city and when you leave the city, when they don't receive you, when they reject you like they rejected me. I want you to literally go outside of the boundaries and the borders of that city. And I want you to take the dust that is off your, on your feet. And I want you to literally shake the dust off your feet. And I want you to move on. Literally do it. Why? Because you cannot carry the dirt and the residue of that thing to the next city. And what many people do is they fail to shake off the hurt and the pain of of a wound that came from somebody that was close to them, a parent, a friend, a child, a co-worker, an employee, a boss. They fail to shake off the residue, the dirt, and they carry that into every season, into every relationship, into every business venture, every career. They're just carrying these wounds. And all of a sudden, they're, they're trying to live life and they're trying to start new. But they got the same anger, the same hurt, and they just lash out at somebody. And when I see somebody lash out like that, I just think to myself, what happened to you? What happened to you? Oh, I know. You're still carrying the hurt. You're still carrying the dirt. Right? And there's still residue on your life. And so, oh, there's, something's got to something's change. Because God didn't make you this way. God didn't shape you this way. Huh? And so, this is the residue. So Jesus told his disciples, shake the dust off your feet and then move on move on because not everybody's going to love you huh not everybody who's going to receive you people will walk away from you huh and we said this listen i said this weeks for 2 weeks i said if people can walk away from you let them walk let them go huh Shake the dust off your feet, because for everybody that doesn't want what you have, somebody out there is waiting on what you have. You hear me? For everybody who doesn't receive you, somebody is praying for you to show up. So you go, okay, I'm going to shake the dust off my feet, and I'm going to move on. And so we talked about it two weeks ago. How do I shake the dust off my feet? I have to choose to forgive. I forgive them. It starts with these words, I forgive. And that is an ongoing, constant life lesson that you will never, ever graduate from. I forgive. And when the thoughts come, when the anger starts to build up, come on now. When you start to, to, to see your life as, as being a victim, you go, no, 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 no. I forgive. I forgive. I've forgiven them. I forgive them. Now, let's talk today about this. How do I move on? How do I move on? And if there was ever a person in the Bible that learned how to move on from hurt, huh, and pain, and and abuse, it's this guy named Joseph. Right? Right? Genesis chapter 37, let's start reading in verse number 18. Here's Joseph. Now, just to give you a little little bit of background, Joseph was favored by his father, and his father had perpetuated favoritism that he had received. So there's this family history, huh, called dysfunction. How many of you know there's no such thing as a family that doesn't have some form of dysfunction, right? There's no such thing as a fully functioning family, right? So we all have our dysfunction. We just have different levels of it. Come on now. So Jacob was favored, and then he in turn favored Joseph. In fact, he did it in such a tangible way that he actually made Joseph a coat. He makes Joseph this coat coat. And his brothers now are, look at him and, and they're starting to, to get angry. right? And they're starting to, to get hurt because they're looking at why does dad love Joseph any more than he loves me? And let me tell you this, hurt people hurt people. Did you hear me now? Hurt people end up hurting people. Wounded people wound others. And so now they're carrying this. They're carrying this anger on the inside of them. And the brothers are angry. And one day they see Joseph coming. And, buddy, they've had enough of seeing this guy wear that coat one day too many. Like, he's got other coats. Why has he got to keep wearing that one? Right? And so they see him coming, and in verse number 18 of chapter 37, it says this, Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer's coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, Some wild beast has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams, we will see. We will see what will become of his dreams. And now, this is his brother. This is his people that are closest to him. And there's no hurt, and there's no wound like the one that comes from a hand that you thought had your heart. Listen, when an attack comes from the front, you can see it. We know that. That's the devil, if I ever saw the devil. But when the attack comes from the side, huh? Somebody that you thought was your friend that supported you, that was there for you. When it comes from a family member, when it comes from somebody that was so close, those are called real hurts. And it's friendly fire that takes so many people out. Huh? And David talked about this in Psalm 55 when he said this. Listen, enemy came against me. I could take it. I understood it. I could comprehend it. I could wrap my mind around it. But it wasn't an enemy that came after me. It was my friend who I went to church with. My friend who I went to church with, we lifted our hands in the sanctuary and we worshiped together. And now you come at me? And Joseph's standing here and he is looking down at the bottom of this pit. And he is looking up at all of these faces of his brothers. These are his brothers. So they sell him into slavery. They decide not to kill him. One of them. Stands up and says, no, we can't kill him. Let's just tell him, you know, wild beast. Let's tell dad wild beast got him, but we'll sell him into slavery. So Joseph gets sold into slavery, but he rises to the top again. Huh? He rises to the top again, and he's at work. And he's at work and he's working for a guy named Potiphar Potiphar's wife comes along and says Joseph you've been working out lately I see you've been kind of buff lately been working out I see some abs and so he says she wants to get with him and he says no 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 I can't do this against my boss who I love and he's put me in charge of all of his affairs and I can't do this against God I can't do it against God and so Potiphar, listen to this, Potiphar believes the wife over Joseph. Come on now. So there's another wound. There's another hurt. This man that that he thought he could trust and that trusted him. Here he is hurt again. So he gets thrown into prison. He gets thrown into prison. He interprets a dream. Huh? Huh? of this butler, and the butler gets restored to be Pharaoh's butler. And all he asks, all he asks of the butler is, hey, listen, don't forget about me. But two years later, he's forgotten. There's another wound. There's another hurt. And if that prison had counseling sessions, and all of the guys got together in a group sitting around a circle, and they began to share their story. Could you imagine what Joseph had to say? I mean, they got to one guy, and they, he's sitting in the chair, and, and they said, well, What are you in here for? Well, you know, I, I stole something. Oh, yeah, all right. What about you? I, I beat somebody up. Joseph, what are you in here for? Oh, where do I begin? Where do I begin? And he just begins to get this list together of rejection and hurt and betrayal. And I mean, when he gets done telling his story, all the guys, man, their eyes are this big, like, good luck with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Joseph should be a case study for what kind of medication we we put this guy on that's going to fix him, because he is messed up. I mean, he has got problems, but Joseph is standing there like, no, I'm good. I'm okay. And this is what we've learned about Joseph. And and this is the lesson we have to really understand today is that Joseph, somewhere along the way, he learned how to forgive because there's no way Joseph could walk through the things that he walked through and live the life that he lived if he didn't say, God, I forgive them. I forgive them. So Joseph gets restored, right? Right? He gets restored, not just to Potiphar's house. He actually is brought before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, "Hey, listen, interpret. I got a dream." He interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, "Listen, I need a guy. I need a guy who's going to be trustworthy. He's going to have integrity, and and I see that in you, Joseph. Joseph becomes second in command. Now, watch this. Watch this. Genesis chapter forty-one. Joseph gets married. He has two sons. And in verse 51 of 41, it says this. And Joseph called the name of his son Manasseh. Manasseh means this. God has made me. Did you hear me now? God has made me. Forget the pain of my father's house. God has made me. Now, I want you to focus in on something because this is why this is important. You need to know that time does not heal. Status does not heal. Money coming back to you that's been stolen from you does not heal. There's no amount of money. There's no new relationships that could be formed. Come on, there's no status. There's no career you can attain. There's nothing that you could put on a wall, framed real nice, that could ever heal the wound of rejection Joseph said this, it is God and God alone that has made me forget the pain of my father's house. It is not all this money. At this time in Joseph's life, he is now wealthy. He has status. He has position. He has everything you could ever want in life. And he said, none of it has brought healing to me. It is God that has caused me to forget And he looks down at this newborn baby and he says, God has healed me. God has healed me, right? And I want to talk to you about that healing for just a minute because there is healing from rejection and it comes three ways. First of all, you have to say this, I will forgive. Number one, you have to say, I will forgive. I will forgive. I'm just going to forgive them. I choose to forgive them. I'll, I'll say their name. We went through this step a couple weeks ago, and that's just something that you've got to continue to do. Number one, you have to say, I will forgive. I will forgive my father. I'll forgive my mother. I will forgive my brothers. I will forgive them. I don't need a text message. I don't need them to write me. I don't need a card in the mail. I don't even need the money that was taken. I don't need any of that back. I choose, with no strings attached, I choose to forgive. And the second thing is this. When given the opportunity, I will not treat others the way I was treated. Did you hear me now? When given the opportunity... I will not treat others the way I was treated. Because Joseph had that opportunity. Years later, Joseph would stand in front of his brothers. And he would look them in the eye. And he had every ability. He had all the might. He had all the resources to kill them. To cause them shame. To send them back to starvation and famine. And he looked at them, and he said, no, I'm not going to treat you the way you treated me. Huh? I've forgiven, and now, watch this, I've, I've moved on. I've moved on. You see, th- listen, there's no revenge, right? There's no revenge. You've you got to understand, you've you got to stop checking out that Facebook page. The, they've moved on, and you need to move on, okay? Stop driving by their house in your new car, okay? It's not going to work. Stop hoping that they see you somehow with your precious achievement. That is not going to bring healing to your life. Only God will. And if you get the opportunity to really, really... Pay back somebody who has stolen from you, who has hurt you, who has said things about you, and all of a sudden you get the opportunity to say something and really let people know you have got to understand that, no, I will not treat others the way I was treated. They talked about me. I refuse to talk about them. Come on now. I refuse to. I'm going to hold my tongue. Huh? I'm going to hold my tongue. I will not treat others the way I was treated and then the last one is this and I'm moving on. I will fulfill God's purpose for my life. I will fulfill the purpose that God has given me. Because Joseph stands in front of his brothers and he says this, "You meant it for harm." Huh? But God turned the whole thing around. He's turned the whole thing around. What you meant for harm, God means for my good. And let me tell you how I, how I move on. Let me tell you how I, how I close the page and, and move on to the next chapter of my life. I, I say, okay, who else can I bless? Who, who can I serve? What can I do? Huh? Because if you just sit and stew, I have seen people get offended at church. Just back off. Oh, I'm just going to back off for a while. That's the worst thing you could do. Huh? Because here's what the Bible says. You know, there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter number 11 that says this. When you refresh others, when you water others, you yourself will be refreshed. See, healing doesn't come from you just sitting back and doing nothing. I'm just going to take about five years off. 10 years off from people <laughs> from life. I'm just going to check out for a while. No, that's not going to help you. Cuz you're not you're not dealing with the hurt. Let me how let me tell you how I deal with hurt. I move on. Cuz like I said, for everybody who doesn't want it, somebody does. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, "Hey, I want you to go out of that city. I want you to shake the dust out of your feet. Then I want you to just stay lay low for a while and try to figure out what went wrong, huh? Or, or just take a take a sabbatical." No, he said this to his disciples. After they've rejected you, you shake the dust off your feet, but you keep preaching, you keep praying, you keep laying hands on people. You move on to the next person, the next city, and if you haven't moved on to what's next, you'll never be healed. Come on now. Joseph had this incredible ability in his life to move on to next. So my question to you is this, what's next? It's your purpose. It's your God-given purpose. And you need to find out, okay, listen, it didn't work out. Hey, that relationship did, th- didn't work out the way I thought. That business transaction didn't work out how it was go- I thought it was going to work out. So I'm just going to move on to Next. I forgive them. I shake the dust off my feet. Now I'm moving on. Hallelujah.